So, for those, like Lewis said, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Mike, and along with my wife Andrea and my son Gobble, who's running around somewhere, and my newborn daughter Zoe, we are missionaries in Montevideo, Uruguay. She hasn't been there yet. Well, sort of. And so here, here's Uruguay, tucked away in South America. We lovingly say it's in the, the armpit of Argentina and Brazil, if you guys don't know where it's at. Um, and then Montevideo is right there on the coast in the southern part. And so uh, we've been there for a couple years. We've been there for three years now. Uh, but here is our home church. Uh, we were the youth pastors here from 2010 to 2012. And so this is a place that we love dearly. Uh, we love coming back and visiting you guys and being with you as much as possible because this is really um, our home church. And we actually even say all the time when we're down there that, that we miss this place and we miss the, the, the worship here and just the connection. And so today, I get an interesting challenge of merging the Sermon on the Mount series with talking about what's happening in Uruguay, um, which if anybody has done sermon prep or, or you ask anybody who's done sermon prep, this is not an easy uh, merging. And so it, it took me a little bit of time to figure out how I want to do this. But after a lot of uh, prayer and a lot of time just seeking God, I think he has a message for us today. Um, and it's a message for you, and it's a for, message for Pastor Lewis, and it's a message for me. Um, there's no exemptions to this, this message. Um, Jesus is speaking to every one of his followers when, when in the Sermon on the Mount here. And so we'll get to the verse in a minute, but these these words are not necessarily challenging in understanding what's being said. Jesus is really clear and direct in the, these verses, and so it's not necessarily understanding them that's the difficulty, it's putting them into practice. And as Pastor Lewis has stated many, many, many times in the past weeks, it's about walking the walk. It's about more than just being people of talk. It's about people whose actions line up with what we say. And so we're going to read them, and then I'm going to give real examples of them actually working. Um, and as much as I'd love to claim that I'm Superman, I'm not a superhero in this. I have failed so many times. Um, I struggle with this frequently. Andrea and I struggle all the time in this. Um, and we failed. We failed a lot. And this is more about God's faithfulness and a testament to who he is than really about what we do. And so what I share, these stories, are possible for every one of us. Um, they're possible in any context we find ourselves in. Uh, because we have a faithful king, and he loves us far deeper than we could ever possibly imagine. And so the first fill-in-the-blank on, on your thing, on your fill-in-the-blank form, I don't know, is we have a king who is good and who desires to spread his goodness to a hurting world. Can you guys see that? Next one. Next one. We have a king who is good, and he desires to spread his goodness to a hurting world. This is where this all stems from, the fact that we have a good king. And so with that said, with this understanding that we have a good king, let's read uh, the verses for today. They're found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. And I actually need a courageous volunteer who is willing to read them in front of everyone in what they say in Spanish, voz alta, out loud. Anybody? Any volunteers? Any takers? It will. Uh, if Daniel could get it on the screen, it's great. If not, it's it won't be. Matthew 6, 25 through 34.
Yeah. Any volunteers? Brave. Okay. You want her to? All right, 25-34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the air. They, they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds the birds. And you know that you are worth more than the birds. You cannot add any time to your life by worrying about it. And why do you worry about clothes? Look at the flowers in the field. See how they grow? They don't work or make clothes for themselves. But I tell you that even Solomon with his riches was not dressed as beautifully as one of these flowers. God clothes the grass in the field like that. The grass, the grass is living today, but tomorrow it is thrown into the fire to be burned. So you can be even more sure that God will clothe you. Don't have so little faith. Don't worry and say, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? All the people who don't know God keep trying to get these things, and your Father in heaven knows that you need them. The thing you should want most is God's kingdom and doing what he wants. Then all these things you need will be given to you. So don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Tomorrow will have its own worries. That was the children's Bible version, just so everybody knows that's what I had on my phone. <laughs> so we're really going to focus and hone in on verse 33. Um, and looking at what does seeking his kingdom first actually look like. Um, and how does he add all of these things when we do this? And so this is really what we're going to focus on is, is the worrying part will fall into place when this happens. When, when we seek his kingdom first, the other things seem to be lesser. And so this is the most important thing that we're going to look at. And first, I want to clarify a few things about these verses. While Jesus is talking about money and clothes, he is not only talking about them. He is not, Jesus is using common things to illustrate our day-to-day, -to, -day to illustrate something deeper using our day-to-day -day lives. And so he's not saying that if you seek his kingdom first, you're going to get all the clothes you want. And he's not saying that if you seek his kingdom first, you're going to become a millionaire. He's not saying that seeking him necessarily comes with a financial benefit. But Jesus is teaching us a posture here by this verse. He's teaching us to rest in trust. We trust that the Father is good. We trust that the Father cares. We trust that the Father will provide. And so these, this is what Jesus is trying to get at. It's not, oh, well, follow me and you'll get this or you'll get that. No, it's saying trust the Father. Trust what he has in store because the Father is good. He really does care about us and he wants to see the best for us. And so now I'm going to start, go, go into a story a little bit of how this has actually been played out in action. And so when Andrea and I got to Montevideo, we had to start there with nothing. We started with zero. We had no connections, we had no house, we had no friends, and we had nowhere to start ministry. And honestly, that is a very scary place to start. Um, 
and there might be people here who understand what it means to start with zero. Um, and if you do, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It can be intense. It can be scary. But you want to know where you start if you're, you're starting with zero? You start in dedicated prayer. Spend time in dedicated prayer. That is where everything starts. As we think starting at zero is starting at zero. But really, if we're starting time in dedicated prayer, that is starting at like 5,000. Because God has something in store. And so as we were looking for a place to live long term, we specifically asked God where he wanted us to live and work. We could have just looked on our own. We could have just done our own thing. But we realized God has called us to that city for a purpose and a reason, and he had a plan in mind, and that he wanted us to do something more than what we wanted to do ourselves. And so instead of being stressed and worried about this, we just constantly trusted in the goodness of the, th of the Father, of our King. Did some days look scary? Absolutely. Did we know what was going to happen? No, we didn't. We had no idea. And there were many, many days that we were thinking that we'd never find a house, that we'd have to come back here, that it was all a failure. And we didn't let those days win. Um, but God does provide. God, God did meet our, our needs. And so we found a house that was clearly God's provision. And in a neighborhood he wanted us to, sh to work in. This is our little neighborhood. I'll expand out a little bit more on this in a second. But we prayed, and honestly, we would have never seen this neighborhood if it wasn't for God. And God did something. And so we still had no idea of, of how ministry would look. Okay, we had a house, but we, we don't have a ministry point. We don't have connections. We don't, we don't know what we're doing really here. We knew we wanted to love Jesus and love people and, and serve them and tell them about Jesus. But God was doing an interesting work in us in this season. And it's a work that we all hate, but it's absolutely ne necessary. He's teaching us to, to rest and trust. He's teaching us that when we walk side by side with him, that's when things are revealed. And so God created us as humanity to walk side by side with him. When we trust, when we start from this position, when we say, I'm going to walk with God as Adam and Eve did in the cool of the day, this is what was intended for us. It is when This is where we start. Is Things don't always look like we want them. Things don't look like we understand. But this is where we're called to go. And that means that you don't know the next step sometimes. But you know the one who's taking you there. And so this is where you have to start. Is walking side by side with God. Just like Adam and Eve did. I'll go back one. Actually, you can keep it on this one. And so after moving into our house, we still had to figure out our next step. What did ministry look like? We knew we wanted to share Christ, and we knew we wanted to make disciples. But how? There's a million ways to do that. So once again, we went with all that we had was prayer. We did prayer walks around our neighborhood. We did prayer walks around the little plot of land that we have. Now you can go to the next one. These red lines, we walked hundreds of times. Dozens of times, I don't know, we'll pick an adjective. We walked it a lot. And it took us about 40 minutes to walk around those, those red streets. But we felt this was our plot of land. This is where God had called us. And our house was almost in the center of this. And so the more that we walked, the more that we could sense the Father. And the more that we sensed him, the more he refined our vision. 
And so he helped us laser focus on a spe this specific area. It is interesting because we would even walk down here or here or here. And we say, nope, this isn't where we feel God working. God wants us right here. And so we walked it. We walked these, every one of these streets, every single one in this neighborhood, praying over this neighborhood and saying, God, clearly you've called us to this neighborhood. Clearly you want to do something here. And so just as a farmer seeks out a good, seeks out good field to sow his seed, so we were seeking out a plot of land to sow seed in. And this is one part of one neighborhood out of the 64 neighborhoods of the whole city. And like I said earlier, we would have never seen this neighborhood. We would have actually never lived here because we actually came and visited the neighborhood, like a little bit over here, when we first visited the city the first time. And we're like, no, I don't want to live in La Blanc, this, this neighborhood. I would like never live here. But God is like, ha, 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 ha. you're going to live here. <laughs> he does that. And so it's really interesting because the more that we, we prayed, the more that we realized we didn't have the answers, God was doing something. God was providing just what we need right when we need it. He didn't give us it before. He didn't give us more than we could handle. He said, this is your area. This is your plot of land that you can manage for this season. God wasn't saying go reach the whole city of Montevideo. That's ridiculous. I mean, there's 1.5 million people. He's not saying this is your whole city. No, he's saying this tiny four streets is yours. And so he's saying that to us too. He says, you know what? This is what you can handle. This is what you need. And I'm going to give you exactly what you need right when you need it. <clears throat> and so, <coughs> sorry, one second. With all of this prayer and guidance, we felt strongly convicted to focus our prayer on one specific part. And it was almost dead center of our neighborhood that we were in. <clears throat> and because of this, we met someone. God indeed did set up a divine encounter with a woman named Andrea. Not that Andrea, another Andrea. And just so you know, Andrea is a super common name in Uruguay, so it's not like I'm, we're meeting, and it's not confusing. There's a lot of Andreas down there. We meet them all the time. And so this Andrea, my wife, Andrea, is actually going to share a story of how she met the other Andrea and her two daughters. So as Mike said, um, we spent a lot of time walking in the neighborhood. You can ask these guys. They walked the neighborhood with us when they came down. They walked around our streets, didn't you? So, and then went to, so you guys know if you've been here for a couple of weeks and seen our son Gabriel. Where are you, buddy? You say hi? <laughs> He's pretty active, and he loves to just run around. And our house did not have a backyard or really anywhere, and it was, like, right next to a street. Um, so it wasn't like a thing where we could just let him out and go play. Um, and so we would have to go two, three, four days a week to a park in our neighborhood. Um, and it was, oh, we don't have the map up there. But it's, it's kind of just about right in the middle as well. There's a park right about here. Is that where it is? Yeah. Um, so one day we were going to the park. And when we're there as a family, we talk in English to each other. And... Um, all of a sudden, we see these two little girls, and they're, they're kind of in swings a little bit farther away, but we hear them whisper to each other in Spanish, and they say, go tell them that we speak English and we're from the United States. And we said, 
okay. And so we look over and we're like, is that true? And sure enough, they start talking to us in English and tell us that they lived in the United States for a few years. And um, so Gabriel started talking with them and playing with them because they were safe and in English for him. And we went and talked to the mom and she was there with her, her cousin. And we had a really good conversation and she asked us like, Often when people are there, when we're there, people ask us, what are you doing in our country? Like, why wouldn't you just stay in the United States? Like, why would you come to our country? And so that's a great opportunity for us to say, well, we're sharing with people about how they can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so that's usually um, something like that we say. And um, they said, oh, okay, that's cool. And we kind of moved on to another conversation. And we talked for a long time. And at the end, we exchanged phone numbers, which in Uruguay, that is very strange. Like for somebody in your first meeting to exchange phone numbers with you. They're, it's usually like, hey, good to meet you, move on. And so I, I remember coming home and telling Mike, like, I met this lady, I don't know what it was. Like it was, it seemed really interesting how we met, but I'm not sure. We exchanged numbers, maybe we'll get together again. So we didn't hear from her, we didn't reach out to her really for about three weeks and all of a sudden she sent me a text and she said um, she said hey can we meet up at the park and I thought the kids had hit it off so I said oh yeah let's go meet at the park and um, but for some reason I felt something different that day like I brought my Bible with me and when she, uh, when I got to the park she came afterwards and she sat down and she came kind of rushing she sat down and the first thing that she said to me was I need you to tell me about your God and your religion and I was like well, just so happens I have my Bible with me today. And um, so that day, we just sat and we talked about, I shared with her the gospel, I shared with her my story, and it was very interesting because I started sharing little pieces of the Bible and saying, yeah, you know that story about creation, or you know that story. And she said, no, no, I don't. You need to tell me everything. I really don't know. And so we just shared with, I just shared with her um, the gospel, and at the end, I usually, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when you get to that point where you're like, I need to ask if they want to follow Jesus, but I really don't want to put them on the spot like that. Anybody ever feel that before? Like, I don't want to do that. Well, at that point, I was just like, God is telling me I need to ask her. And so I said, hey, you know, after hearing all this, like, do you want to follow Jesus? And she said, obviously. And I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't have held back so much. <laughs> And um, so since then, Andrea, do we have a picture of her actually? We have, yeah, that's the next slide, there we go. So um, one of the neat things about this is that in that time, Mike said that we came to the city really not knowing anybody. And Andrea has actually become a very good friend of ours. That was the first thing that really God provided for us was friendship through her. Um, and though we got to share the gospel and we got to share something with her, God provided also something for us through her. Um, friendship for Gabriel and and her girls and friendship for us um, so we meet regularly with her and we're just sharing the word we're just sharing time together community and the really neat thing is is because we formed this friendship too um, around the gospel she's been inviting us to her house and she invited us to a birthday party one time and her her daughter's birthday party and um, she had all of her friends there and none of her friends are believers but the first thing she said was, hey guys, this is Andrea that taught me about God. And we sat around and they were all sharing their stories about how, 
they've been seeking something. Some, one of them is seeking Hinduism. One of them is an atheist, but every once in a while goes to pray when she's having a hard time. And so she's been sharing the little that she knows. Maybe she doesn't know a lot about the Bible, but she's been sharing about how God has given her peace now that she's been following Jesus with her friends. And so this is a way that God has just opened up a new community for us is through this person that we would never have known had God not showed us this particular place, this particular piece of land um, to pursue. So that's just one of the stories that God's doing. There you go. Didn't want to rush yeah. I got more to go. So, And so we met Andrea in a season that we were actually starting to kind of doubt our calling in the city. We didn't know what things looked like. We hadn't done anything. Well, we prayed, but sometimes that feels like you're not doing something. Um, and so we still had almost no idea of what actually life looked like there. And so God was providing reassurance for us. Um, and at the same time, he was providing something else for Andrea. Uh, and so it's really interesting to see because when you seek his kingdom first, his kingdom always has a multiplying effect on provision. His kingdom will always multiply the provision. What he is providing for you is also intended to provide for someone else. It is always that way. And so his provision doesn't stop with us. It doesn't, it doesn't, we don't get this blessing and say, oh, yes, I got God's blessing and I'm going to, oh, mine, my precious, precious. Oh, sorry. <laughs> for the Lord of the Rings fan. No, we, we pass it on. We always look for ways to, to bless other people with that. And so we see something that was being provided for us, reassurance, knowing that we're there for a time and a season for something, for a purpose. But for Andrea, it was uh, it, peace. It was actually accepting Christ. It was, it was a different kind of provision. And so it was a provision that, that spread. And so we have one really cool example of seeing this multiplying effect happen right before we left. And this was, this was only a couple weeks before we left. And so we don't have all the details yet because we're going to go back to it. But when we decided that we were going to come back and visit the States this time around, we knew we weren't going to stay in the house that we had moved into. We knew it was for a season. We knew God wanted us there for a time. But we said, okay, God, where are you leading us next in the next season? And so we prayed a lot, and, and we didn't really know where we'd go, though. And so we were going to just put all of our stuff in storage. We were going to just move out of our house and find where God that wanted us next and just do it when we got back down there. But God already has funny things in motion that we don't even realize. And so we started going to a different park um, just outside of our neighborhood. And actually, if you can go back to the map. So we started going to this park up here, like Andrew was saying. And it's an okay park, but it's not really a great park for a kid to play with. And right down here I think right down here there's another park a better park for kids and so we started going to this park it was about a 10 minute walk away and we said you know what Gabe needs more space it has better slides it's a better park it's more families and so we're like we'll just go there and every single time we walked to this park we would see a house with a huge yard and a beautiful yard a garden full of flowers you can actually go back to the house one and every single time, this is the house that we're talking about. And every single time we went to this new park, we would we pass this and we'd say something. We'd say something like, oh man, I love this yard. Or, oh man, I want to see the inside of this house. Or, oh man, I just, this 
what could we do with the space? What could we do to, to bless this neighborhood, to bless this city with, with this house? And so we just would say that off the cuff. We wouldn't think anything of it, but we always had this kind of desire in our heart to actually see this house and, and to use and to do something with this house. And so we, our first thought was never about, oh, we want a new house. We want something different. We want something exciting. We said, no, what could we use with this yard for? What could we use this garage for? Like, just imagine the possibilities for ministry. And so one day, one Saturday morning, we decided to go walk to the park like a normal day. And we're walking up past this house, which this house is only four houses away from the park, mind you. And so another great opportunity. I'll get into that later. Uh, and so they were having a garage sale at this house. And uh, garage sales aren't normal there. They happen, but they're not like super common like they're here. And so we kind of were like, what's happening? Let's stop in, see if there's anything we need at our house before we move. And so we poked our heads in and we looked at everything. And it's all super old lady stuff. And so I'm sorry if you like old lady stuff, but having a three-year-old in class, everything, just it doesn't work. And so we're like, yeah, this is all going to break. And so old lady stuff is nice, but not for a three-year-old. And so we're just like, eh, we'll just keep going. So we walk to the park, and as we're sitting at the park, we're just kind of like, man, why are they having a garage sale? That's so weird, so random. And so we just were like, let's stop back afterwards and ask them why they're having a garage sale. Um, and so we get there, and we kind of like sneak around a little bit, and we're like looking to get looking again. And then we see some boxes and stuff, and we're like, oh, well, we need boxes to move. So we'll ask him if we can just steal their boxes. And the guy was like, no, but well, we still might need them, but no. And then we're kind of like, well, why are you guys doing a garage sale? And he's like, well, this was my mom's house, and she passed away like a year ago. And then my aunt was living here, and she passed away a couple months ago. And so this is a family house, but we're looking to rent it out. We're going to fix it up and rent it out. And we're like, Hmm, okay, intriguing. And so we just said that we'd be kind of interested. And so right off the spot, the guy was like, why don't you come inside and look at the house? We're like, oh, okay, this doesn't happen ever here. And so we're kind of like, um, yeah, so we went in and looked at it, started this huge long conversation with them. We met like the whole family. And so we're just kind of like, what is happening? This is really weird. And so like the more that we were like talking about this, like, we just had this weird feeling. And so we left the conversation. We said, we like the house. We want to pray about it. And so it's just, they're like, oh, are you evangelicals? Also a really weird question to ask people down there. The first question you usually get if you say you're going to pray is, are you Catholic? And so we're kind of like, yeah, we are. And so they're like, well, my aunt was a really devout evangelical. And this guy, mind you, this was his words. They weren't mine. He's like, I think my aunt sent you to us. And we're like, well, maybe God sent us to you. But it was those were his words. But we realized that God was doing this huge blessing for us, but it never stopped with us. And so this has opened the door to have great conversations with this family. This lady is Susan. Uh, she takes care of the gardens. The garden. She's so she's the one of the it's two brothers who own this house. She's a sister in law of the main brother, the wife of the second brother who actually co owns the house. But we've talked more with the other guys. And so God is providing this blessing, but it, it's, he's saying, what can you now use this for? What can you imagine for my kingdom? And so it's really cool because this is going to be the house that we get to go back to 
um, and we have so many ideas of what we want to do with the space and how we want to use the garage and how we want to use the house. And we even have two ladies, two Costa Rican missionary ladies who are living there now who will live with us down the road. And so this is really a cool thing of uh, God honors people who desire to use his blessings for the benefit of others. Is God, God didn't have to give us this house. We could have sat with this house and been like, oh, yeah, this is our house. We get this cool remodeled, refurbished house that they're spending thousands of dollars on to revamp. I don't care about that. I, but God says, you know what? You desired to use this for other people. You desired to use this for my kingdom. You desired to seek me first. I'm going to give you something far and above than what you're actually thinking of. And so when you have this idea of, well, when I seek his, first, his, his kingdom first and, and blessing, when you actually think outside of yourself, God is already preparing something bigger than what you're thinking of. Because he realizes, they're tr- I can trust them with my resources. I can, they're faithful. And so it, it's this really interesting thing. that God always does this. The scripture is full of God doing this when people realize it's not about me. It's not about my house. It's not about my clothes. It's not about my life. God desires to multiply his resources. And so we've had a lot of stories today. And there are stories about God adding all the things when we seek his kingdom first. But these stories are possible for each one of you guys. And God desires to make stories like these happen in all of our lives. And I want to see these amazing stories happen too here in Rochester because I know God wants to do something. And so we need to seek his kingdom first. We need to seek him first. And so if you take nothing else away from today, we're going to do a quick recap of what seeking his kingdom first looks like because that is when the world starts to change. And so go to the next slide. The first point is pray. Seeking his kingdom first starts with prayer. It's lots and lots and lots of dedicated prayer to be connected to the Father. That is where seeking his kingdom first comes. That is point zero to point five thousand, and that will take you further than you will ever need for anything. The second point of seeking his kingdom first is trusting. Trusting that we have a good king who wants to bless us and gives us what we need when we need it. He's not saying, I'm going to give you a million dollars. Maybe you could use that. Maybe you're going to use it to bless his kingdom. I don't know. But if that's what you need, he'll give you what you need when you need it. Because that's what, who he is. He doesn't give us more than what we need. He doesn't give us crazy amounts. But he says, I'm going to give it right when you need it. And the last one is to look. Are we looking for ways to bless other people? God is saying, you know what? You have these things, and I'm giving you what you need, but that will be multiplied when you start giving that to other people. It always will be multiplied. Always, always, always will be multiplied when you bless other people with what you've been given. And so if you take nothing away from this, seeking his kingdom first and not worrying, by default, this will fall into place, pray, trust, and look. You could boil it down to three words. Pray, trust, and look. And so let's close with prayer.